0: ESPN 1420, 1420 ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back in to the great Scott Show, the great sports callers open think tank. It is the day before Thanksgiving. Cajuns are scheduled to play this Saturday against ULM. They're ranked in the top 25, and here to talk some Cajun football with us is the color commentator for Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, Gerald Broussard. Who is uh, I, I? Gee, what's on the what's on the menu tomorrow, man? What you digging into on Thanksgiving?
1: Well, Julie, <clears throat> Julie's getting into the turkey as everybody does and stuff. And I, yeah, the, the sides, the I, I, green bean casserole is one of my favorites, so I know we're gonna have that. The rest of it really doesn't matter, to you. I mean, you've seen me, and, and it's not like I ever fast, you know. So is just another day to kind of add to my girth and and I, I appreciate that opportunity and uh, a little bit different, you know, as 2020 has been, it's going to be a little bit different not having a lot of family around and stuff like that, but you know, we'll, we'll have a good time with it. And uh, hopefully watch a little ball and, and, and hopefully get ready for a game this weekend. ESPN
0: 1420 com. So hopefully we'll see, but I uh, talked to Navier Monday, he's feeling better. He's going to drive the day of when his quarantine ends, but Look, Joe, you're, you're a former player and a coach, and I know in 2020 we've got a lot more technology than we had back when you played. But how hard has it got to be to coach in isolation this week preparing I, for this game?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how you do that. I, I really don't. But I, I tell you, you know, I, a lot of things that, that have been going on this year that, the, that these guys have had to deal with, I, I, I don't know how we would have done or how, how to do it. I think that these, they're, they're learning on the fly. Um, you know, and, and you hit it on the head with it, the way technology is, I mean, you know, people are able to do so much more from uh, remote locations than they ever could do before with, you know, everybody's got a cell phone, which means that you have video capabilities with that, as well as you have the ability to be able to see some things. You know, when I was in the Hall we thought it was a big deal to put a, a, a hard hat on somebody with some goggles and be able to see what they see. And um, you know, it, it turned out all oh, you need is a cell phone to be able to do that, you know, cause there's, there's all these uh, you know, iPhones have FaceTime and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I know that you can, you can get a visual of what's going on. You also have the access to some real time accessibility to these things with, with cameras and camera access and stuff, but there's nothing can replace actual, actually being there and, and getting your point across and coaching and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, like I know this, Coach Napier's. I mean, calls the plays. He's very, very involved with the offense. And um, it's going to be a bit of a, of a tour with it And I also, you know, the other part of it is how, how many of the players that were affected by last week are going to be in a position to be able to contribute this week or getting – you know, it's one thing to coach remotely. It, it's another thing to try and practice remotely. I have no idea how you do that.
0: ESPN1420.com. Yeah, I, I don't – I'm with you. I mean, on one hand, at least you're playing ULM, who, you know, with respect to Coach Vietar, who I I think prior to this year, and you're dealing with a lot this year, has really done a a solid job there, and I mean it. Um, But you're a a 28-and-a-half-point favorite if you're the Cajuns. I don't know that they'll cover that, but you're playing a team that hasn't won a game yet, and you're ranked in the top 25. So while you're away from the team – you're not getting ready for coastal carolina part 2 either and i imagine mm-hmm. for some fans maybe if if you're getting ready to play app state or coastal in the conference championship game the story of man he's he's not even with the team this week in person i mean that's got to be have an impact i think maybe it's it's a talked about a little bit more, maybe more of a talking point. I feel like no one's really brought it up a ton in terms of its potential impact, and I think a big reason why is because of the opponent on Saturday.
1: I think you're right with that, Scott. But but you know what? In watching ULM, the, the stuff that I've been able to watch, not, ULM's a team that hasn't played in three weeks either. Uh, not either, but has not played in three weeks because they've had some of their own issues that they're dealing with with that. Uh, when you go back and watch uh, the Warhawks they're they're struggling and and you know my feelings for, for Coach Viator who, who I think does a, a fantastic job and you know and, and knowing and I've been through a season like that before with what the, the Warhawks are going through and dude it's hard it's hard and I can only imagine it having to deal with that you know he lost his defense coordinator Mike Collins <laughs> right before the season started. You know, and so having to make a change in there. Now, Scott Stoker has been the defensive coordinator before and does a fantastic job. I say that, but, heck, last week they gave up over 40 to Georgia. I say last week, the last time they played. Uh, they gave up over 40 and, and a half to Georgia State, and this is a Georgia State team that was coming off of getting shut out. And so, you know, the truth be known is that the, the Warhawks are struggling. Some of it is talent. Probably a lot of it is talent. Uh, and, and some of it is just, you know, when you snap the ball at the punter and he catches it and then just drops it, you know, for no reason, just drops it. You know, there's some of it you just kind of mushed and and the Warhawks seem to be a little bit mushed. And I think that if the Cajuns weren't playing somebody like that, you know, even if it's, even if you're playing a, a Texas state or, or, or Arkansas state or a South out, the last couple of opponents that the Cajuns have played, you'd be hearing a lot more of this, you know, the, truth of the matter those the warhawks aren't, aren't aren't very good but it's still ULM it's still ULM and and, and and UL and there's going to be a lot of emotion in it there's going to be a lot of rivalry to it and I, I just you know 28's a lot at any time 28's really a lot when i don't know who's practicing and i don't and we already know that the the head coach slash uh, play caller is not at practice so guy I'm anxious to see how it goes. I, I just, you know, we're sitting here and hoping we get a chance to go. You know, we'll we'll take our test. And then once we get our test, you know, I was in there early last week getting my test. I got out. I was waiting for an updated too deep. And I got the text from Cody, uh, Cody Juno, the sideline reporter. My like, God child, Cody sent me a text. I guess what, we're we not going. And that kind of no, not not going, not playing, not playing, so right? Too deep at that
0: time. Well, I look, I, I I sense some light nerves there, but like that's normal for Gerald Broussard. Like, what did I text you against South Alabama when you said you were nervous? Yeah, I
1: know. <laughs> I said, I said, there's this is I'd a guarantee. Read it, but you know me. I mean, I the cases no, are going to win I, by a lot. I people all the time. Yeah, I mean, if you bet with me, you're just you're, you're bound to lose. <laughs>
0: I'm just sure. telling you. I,
1: I say it today, even after the game. I, South Al sucked. We know that. Excuse my language. But South Al was not good. And if we played them tomorrow, I'd still be nervous. Just because, you know, I, I don't know why they're not. I, I know why. But, you know what I'm saying? I just, I expect more out of South Al than what we saw Saturday. I want to
0: ask you about is. a player. Uh, Gerald Bruce, our guest, ESPN 1420. Scott Prather here on a Wednesday morning before Thanksgiving. I, I was talking about him last week with Chris Lano. I was also talking to the actual player and uh, on the show, and that's Talon Humphrey, a.k.a. Big Sauce, which is a nickname he got when he was younger, and it just aptly fit. He's like, yeah, it's kind of perfect. Um, he His uptick in play, is it just me, Gerald, or is he playing? I, maybe it's conditioning or something, but I just feel like over the course of the wins at, uh, at Texas State and Arkansas State and South Alabama, his impact is undeniable. I mean, I'm really seeing this guy not just take up the double teams, which he typically does, which a lot of times is going to go unnoticed, but he's also just making plays defensively. To have a nose guard, I, I, that position was tailor-made for somebody like Taylor Humphrey, was it not?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, and, look, he's a mammoth of a human now, you know, and, and we talk about him on a broadcast being full grown, and he is and- – and uh, still growing. I mean, he's just a baby, but he's, no, he's not a baby. He's a 50-year senior. We all know that. But, but you know, he. I tell you what's ended up happening. Some of it is is that you've gotten into this conference and, and the part of the conference where the competition level is not quite what it has been early in the year. And he shows his ability. He does not play down to his competition. He plays at his same level. And then all of a sudden, if you're not good in front of him, you're going to have your hands full. And, you know, South out was, you know, albeit their center was probably the most experienced guy, but, but no, he wore him out and he's been wearing people out here lately. The other part of it is, is that getting a little rotation going and keep him going in and look, it's the weather's better, you know? And so he doesn't get as tired and, and, and all that, you know, when you're a mammoth man like that, um, you know, that, that all plays a, a little bit into it. And, 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 you know, but, not having spring ball, having limited summer stuff, and just getting a feel for what he's having to do and wanting to do. And, and uh, no, he, he's been a big get for the Cajuns and a big help for the Cajuns in there. And, and look, if you got to draw a nose to 3-4 defense, it'd be hard to get a prettier picture than him. Now 6'4", 335 pounds, that's kind of what you want. Is,
0: is he, in terms of pro potential and playing in the NFL, where, where is Talum in terms of players on this roster? Where would you put him on the list?
1: I think that there are others ahead of him. I just know that there are not many people on the face, walking the face of the earth that look like him and that can move like him. So he's going to get a shot. I do think that there are others ahead of him. And part of that is because of just uh, pure athleticism, you know, to where uh, I don't want to say he's limited because just a guy of his size, he's not, but uh, you know, they, they've got some other people in other positions and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, 15, you know, he's pretty good oh, yeah. right now, you know, oh, yeah. but, but just looking at him and who's going to come out and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but Kalen's going to be in there and, and, and he's going to be be able to get a shot. You know, when you look back at it, I thought that maybe um, there were some people uh, ahead of, of, uh, uh Raymond Calais last year, but yet Raymond still was able to, you know, work his way into the draft and we, we see what he's been doing this year. So, you know, I, 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 I
0: think, you know, when you, you mentioned Elijah Mitchell, I think he's the most obvious one for sure. Um, he's going to mm-hmm. be drafted. He's going to be playing next year. Trey Ragus has an opportunity. I think Chris Smith isn't there yet, but boy, he's only a sophomore. Um, you know, you look at those running backs and what they can do. And then uh, you've got some pretty big guys on the old line. Is there someone right now you look at and say, if things keep going in the right direction, they could be playing on Sundays?
1: Oh yeah, there's two in the old line right now, and, and Max Mitchell and, and, and Osiris, and uh, Osiris Torrance, and, and they just, yeah, Scott, they can play. Now and, and look, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not asking what I heard, I'm telling you what I know. But Max is being looked at now, and, and so, you know, he, he's a guy that you. Know, when you go back and you look at last year and see the attention that 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 uh, that Hunt and Dotson got, then what that did is that also brought a lot of eyes to the other guys. And so you know you see you see a guy like Kevin Dotson in there, and and then all of a sudden you start asking, well you know which guard is he? Is he sixty nine or fifty eight? Because that 58's pretty good. And then they come back and tell you, no, no, 58's a freshman. And you say why? You know, and then then you you start looking for Hunt, and and you know Robert is a guy you know, and Robert's a bright skinned guy, and so you you look at him, and you say, well, is 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 he the tackle? or Is it that they said that other tackle? And they said no, no, that other tackle. He's just sophomore. So what, you know, and so, you know, those guys are drawing some attention right now and, and, uh, and they're going to be really good players. And that's why going into the season, you know, the offensive line, we know that there was a big, uh, you know, you lose Kevin and Robert and you just don't replace them, but you still had a couple pretty good guys with them and then coming back and getting better and better and that. Yeah, those, those two cats can play now.
0: So, you know, there is, we've named six so far. Uh, Zion Hill, where are you at with him in terms of potentially at the next level? I'll even throw Joe Dillon in there as well, though I think Dillon's history in terms of being able to stay healthy is, is probably working against him.
1: Yeah, and Joe was a guy that if he'd asked me two years ago, I, I'd have said definitely. You know, right now, I think especially not just his injury history, but the, his the injury he has is one that, you know, it's going to be a little bit tough. That's not to say that somebody might not bring him in the camp and give him a shot because he does have some twitch and has showed it in the past. I think similar with Zion, I think size, Zion's going to be a little bit limited size-wise. And then I think his you know, I don't want to say his injuries. Well, I do. I mean, his injury history is going to come into play. Sometimes when you play as a youngster at which, you know, all of these guys we're talking about played as true freshmen, and so when you play as a youngster like that, you don't get that extra year, that year of non-playing in the weight room to go and develop a, a base, a muscle base that, that can kind of solidify you for the future. And, and when I say that, I mean, Zion was ready to play. Joe was ready to play. Max was ready to play. And Osiris was ready to play. But if you just go spend a year in the weight room and just add mass to your joints – then a lot of times that'll help you out because the, you, you look at where the thing and then look, Max and Osiris haven't had any issues like that. But, you know, when when, when you are the size of, of Joe and Zion, because they're not massive people, you know, Max and Osiris are big, big people. When you're having to play against the Osirises and the Maxes, and you have the, the body structure and the size of a Joe and of a Zion, man, it just takes a beating on your body now. I mean, it just does, and and you know you see Osiris walk in, and <laughs> we were talking about tailing, but Osiris are dwarfing—not dwarfing, but you know he's, he's six
0: five three thirty-two and, versus six five three thirty-three. I mean, those you put those yeah, two. I mean, uh, those that, some big some big cats right there, G.
1: But then you throw Zion in there, and you know six one two eighty.
0: Right, you know, two eighty-three.
1: That yeah, that's that fifty uh, pounds. That fifty pounds means a lot now. You <laughs> There's start no Joe question into that, and Joe's got the range to him, but Joe doesn't have the girth to go up in there and just, you know, you start laying on people, and it just takes its toll. So I just think that that's the thing that's a little bit different with with those guys. It's just going to be just ensure mass and how they can hold up with the mass.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I'm with you, and I think neither of those guys, Zion or Joe, and I know Zion's just a junior. I don't know that either will be drafted, but I do think they will be in camps. Um, I think oh, Farad, yeah. Farad Gardner will be in a camp. Um, uh, Lorenzo McCaskill will be in a camp. Uh, Eric Garr even you know, five nine, He'll be in a camp when all is said and done. Uh, and there's probably some other guys on this team. Percy Butler, we'll see. Maybe he can play his way into a draft pick. He's definitely one of those guys to keep an eye on. You know, But they're going to have some, some guys drafted, some other guys in camps. And I guess my point is, Gerald, you look up and down this roster, the fact that we're talking about that many guys potentially playing on Sunday and some we feel really, really good and we go out and and maybe play some money on and say, no, they definitely will be just tells you maybe from a, a roster standpoint, the top of it is as strong as I mean, you know, this, the history of this program as well as anybody. Where does this current roster rank in terms of overall talent? When you look at the history of this program?
1: I think it's going to be close. I know that there was a year in there right after we left with HUD, I think his first or second year, we had 11 guys end up in camp. And I say we because there's yeah. some of ours, a majority of ours being Ricky's guys, and then and then a couple of HUD's guys who had come in there from junior college. So, you know, 11 guys in the camp off of one roster, that's pretty impressive at, at, at a school like a, you know, like a UL, you know, and stuff. And so – when you go back to that, you uh, think back to, you know, when Chris Gannon was playing, we had three guys drafted off of our defense, Chris Gannon, Mark Hall, and Thomas King. You know, you had two uh, two uh, defensive linemen being Chris and Mark, and then Thomas King was a free safety. That, that was some pretty good talent there, you know, and then you, you, you sit and look at some of the other stuff with, you know Some of the people who got an opportunity when Orlando was drafted. So, how you know, people don't remember Tim Sensley was on in that second also and got a chance to go. And Jake was on that team, and Brandon was on that team. We had, you know, the uh, Ryan McGrath who ended up in the league that was on that team. And then Lucas Yarnell was an offensive lineman that, that ended up. Uh, playing for a hundred years in arena ball and had Kenyon cotton who ended up in the league. And actually Donald, Donald uh, Richard was another receiver that ended up in the league for a little bit. And so, you know, we've had teams had times with teams that have had some people, but uh, I don't want to say any have been any better than this group. I mean, this group here has got a chance because you go back through and, and, you know, you're just mentioned kind of the upper client, but I look at some of them guys, you know, it, uh, and look, I know it's putting the cart before the horse, but you know, Makai Garner, he's going to get a look now. I know he's just sophomore and stuff, but at that at that size and, and the way that guy can run around a little bit, he's going to get a look. And, and uh, you know, you got some other people that it, it, at other positions are going to get a look that are if if they continue to develop. But but you see that, that just in body structure, that that's what you're wanting to see, you know, and. and And I'm just kind of thinking of the young whiteouts, you know, those guys run around a little bit and do some things and, and, you know, they're going to have a shot if they continue to progress. So talent wise, you know, across the board, when you go to every position on this thing, you—I mean—you're solid up front. You're really good at the running back. You got a quarterback that's playing well. You know, now with the the emergence of Neil Johnson as a as a, as a receiving tight end, you know, you had the blocking set up with Johnny, and now you've got Neil making some plays, catching the football. Uh, you know, you got the hype with Khalid is coming back into play now. Jalen's making a few plays. You got Peter that's solid, and all the young guys at the receiver core you know, and then that's, that, that's on offense, you know, you start looking across the board on defense and, you know, you're full grown at the nose with another defensive tackle. And look, we didn't mention Andre Jones, but that guy's making plays now. I mean, he just is. And and then, you know, you got Joe in there and, and, and then Riley's making plays and you got two inside linebackers that make a hundred tackles a piece and, and uh, you're solid at the corner and you got good safety play. So, I just don't see a deficiency.
0: Talking Rage Occasion football with Gerald Bruce R.G. with this team playing ULM Saturday, 2 o'clock, scheduled to play App State December 4th. Then, eight days after that, a rematch with Coastal Carolina in a Sunbelt Conference Championship game. And then, probably a bowl game either on Christmas or the day after. When it's not a normal bowl situation. And nothing's normal about 2020, I get it. But you don't get the, the experience of bowl week where you go down and the team experiences all this stuff. There are all these activities. Um, and when there's such short time between when your season ends when you actually play a game, which would feel more just like a regular game week of prep, except it's during the holidays and you just kind of travel and play in an empty stadium for the most part. Like, what, What's the positive impact of playing in a bowl this year? Because it doesn't have the usual, well, you get a ton of extra practices. I mean, you get a few, but like a lot of the things that are so great about a bowl, like you, you just, you're not going to have this year, unfortunately. I'm not suggesting they shouldn't go to one, to be clear. Um, mm-hmm. But, but it, it just, for fans that are getting excited about a bowl game, I just, I'm like, well, it's just because you get to see your team play one more time. But from in terms of a bowl experience as a team, it's just not, it's not going to feel like one this year. It's just going to feel like an extra road game, in my opinion. Am I off base here?
1: No, you're right. You're right because it's not like you're going to go up early, and you're not going to have a lot of functions, and you're not going to be all over the community, and you're not going to do all the stuff that 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 made bowl week fun. You know, the the two teams at the at the one big banquet, and and the the going to you know Rock and Bowl, and the going to the the, the uh, World War II Museum in New Orleans and, and, and the going to all the, the events that you get to go to, going to the children's hospitals and stuff like that that you do do. Um, yeah, you, you, I just don't see them doing that. I, I don't see them bringing the guys in, you know, uh, days in advance. And, and that's part of it is, is being in the hotel, getting your per diem money. I remember when, when the Cajuns went the first time, you know, John was down there and, and my son, John, and, and you know, they they give him Pradea money and, and then they say, Okay, now you gotta spend on for yourself to go eat. You know, they had some food provided and their other meals they had to go out and eat. and John was sitting there figuring out how much he could make money if he didn't spend it because he was way too frugal to have fun. But uh then finally he said, Dad, I'm I'm gonna splurge tonight. I said, Are you? He said, Where are you going? He said, Bubba Gump shrimp. I said, Dude, you're in New Orleans, and you're going to buck that splurge to you? Oh yeah, yeah, no, I can get under twenty bucks and I'll be full. I said, All right, bro. But all that is all part of it. I mean, that's just part of the experience. And, and uh, this year is just—it's it's not going to be the benefit of going to a bowl. This year is one more night with your boys. And, and and that's it because you don't know you know everybody is eligible to come back i think that you know elijah mitchell accepting the senior bowl bid tells you where he, he he's wanting right now um you know if we find out that others are accepting i don't know that i think they have one other bowl game possibility of being the hula bowl because i think that they shut down the others but you know it's just a, it's another opportunity to be around your pals and another night to play and 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 You know those kind of things. You just you just don't get back. I mean, and that's the. I I sit here, Scott, now and think about how what a chore this fall has been for these guys, and for what kind of a cruddy senior year. But man, it's so much better than the guys that were seniors on last year in the spring and didn't get to play. And I'm thinking about high school seniors because college seniors get to come back if they choose. High school seniors don't get it again. I mean, you just don't get to come back. And so you graduate, you know, if you're a high school baseball player or basketball player, you graduate with no championship or no no way to finish your season. And uh, that, you know, these guys getting an opportunity to do that, at least they get to do that.
0: Yeah, and, and that's, uh, you know, as of today, the 25th of November, um, nothing is certain in this year. That is 2020. You know, a lot of bowl games won't be taking place this year. We'll see if – some others pull out but as of right now they're uh they're scheduled to go whether that be the montgomery bowl or something like that so uh but for the cajuns right now their focus is on ulm then app then coastal carolina again and uh you know gerald getting to call games for a ranked raging cajuns team on the radio i do we need to take a moment to to sit back at thanksgiving and and remind ourselves that this program which is not really been ranked this year has been ranked a lot in one of the better stories in all of college football. Are we, are we taking it for granted? Do we need to spend part of tomorrow and just be thankful for the program and the state it's in right now?
1: No, I think you do. I, I think that where we are right now and coming through it and and. And look, this has been a chore too, Scott. Be thankful for the people that have, have, we we all say it's easy for us to sit back as fans and say, no, just go play. You can't worry, you know, whether you believe in COVID, don't believe in COVID, it, that's irregardless. The chore that these people have gone through to, to go and to be able to perform for us and and, and, and for themselves too, but for us, we you know, heck, I want to call games. I was disappointed because we didn't get the call game, the game last week. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that it's, it's been an effort. It's been a, 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 I don't want to say a drudgery, but it's been a grind more so than any other year. So, so I am thankful for, for those guys. And, and we all should be thankful for when I say those guys, everybody over there that, that has something, anything to do with that program, because uh, you know, the, the, their ability to go, and go through what they've gone through. We talk about COVID and the issues with COVID, but let's not forget about DJ. You know, they, so you, you lose a coach at the beginning of the year, a coach that was so beloved, and and and, and you go through that with the coach, and you see the emotion that the, the Cajuns did early in the year with the, with the Iowa State, and, and then the UAB game, you know, two of the biggest games where, where he was such a focal point of those games and, and how those guys responded during those games. Uh, to him and to his legacy and his, his, his mission and, and, and you know, just like I said, I, I bring that back to that those games would get the got the Cajuns have the Cajuns ranked. And and I understand you know some teams haven't been able to play. I understand all the reasons for everything. But the bottom line is these guys have fought their way through all the adversity. And look, it hadn't been easy. I mean, the two biggest wins were the first one and the last one that the Cages have had. Other than that, they've all been chores, you know. And, and so and and that's, and the first one was Iowa State. So we know that wasn't an easy one. Uh, but you know, I sit back and see where some of the other teams have not been able to find a way. You know, we're talking about going to ULM this, this coming weekend here in a couple of days. Scott, do you realize ULM has never been ahead in the game all year.
0: That's why. And, and
1: you know, the Cajuns now have been behind a bunch, but found a way to rally and, and get ahead of it. But the, the Warhawks have not been able to do that and to go through their season the way they are, but to see that the way the Cages have done it. And the other part of it is you, you're, we're talking about the success that the team has had this year, Scott. And you don't really get to celebrate it. You know, people criticize the kids for saying hated hey their families after the game last week. You know, and, and and I hear talk, well, they should they shouldn't have gone and, and, and gone in the stands. They should. Dude, I've got an 85 year old dad that I sit on a porch and not on a porch uh, across, you know, five six feet away from, and try and stay away. Dad, don't worry about. it. We're not going to get close. On, it. So I couldn't imagine if if I was a college player not being able to go kiss my mom after the game. I just can't imagine that you know, and, and, um, you know, but to, to, for these guys to do what they've done, to be able to have the success they've had to see the Cajuns on, on all the, the major networks from the big networks and getting it and getting it called. I, heck, I'm just glad I'm doing radio. Cause, cause if I was doing television, I'd only have one game the whole year. The rest of it's been on, on the network, you know? And so to have that kind of exposure, uh, yeah, very, very thankful for where the program is and what these guys have, Gone through to be able to put the program where it is.
0: Good stuff. Gerald Art, our guest, espn 1420 ncom Gerald, happy Thanksgiving, man. Final question, uh, and I've asked you this over the years, what's the dish other than maybe the turkey, and maybe that's not number one on your list, but what's that traditional Thanksgiving dish? Gerald's probably going to go back for seconds, thirds, maybe fourths, possibly fifths, right? Put it in the fridge, eat more the next day. What's the one you just can't get enough of?
1: Well, and, and we talked about the casserole a little bit. and I'm gonna get ahead of that. And then Julie's she's she's been doing a mac and cheese here lately. And I I I never was a big fan of mac and cheese growing up. But look, as I get older, I really am. And it's just because there's a little something extra in it. I'm not sure what it is. I don't really want to know. And it's it's it adds a little texture to it that makes it really good. The the, the now I'm gonna keep going on this now the broccoli casserole but it, I just like it and and it probably my cholesterol goes up ninety eight thousand points every time I eat it but you know but between all the casseroles and the sides I like the turkey Scott but to me it's all about the sides it's about going back for getting the hit of the sides and whatever the stuffing is or the dressing is it doesn't matter I mean I, I just crush it whether it be cornbread or anything else. And it's just, it's the one day to me where the sides actually trump everything. And, um, that means a lot. Look, before I go off though, our friendship has meant a lot to me over the years. And I'm thankful for you giving me an opportunity to visit with you from time to time. It's been neat for me to be able to follow your family through all these years and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, um, I just appreciate you.
0: That means a lot, Gerald. Uh, thank you very much. And, uh, same to you and your family, man, and Julie and John and, the uh the grandson i uh, i know it's uh, a special time in your life and uh that time you mentioned getting with your dad so uh, very thankful for that and uh, thankful you're you know, you're doing well in uh, in this new uh this new line of work you know you've been involved in sports so long but um the insurance world's going pretty good for you and that's because i know you do a great job but um you know you're you're still fresh in the process and yet uh things are going well over there aren't they
1: yeah, they are. We're we're having a good time. We've had a pretty good week this week, and and looking forward to it, and getting a little bit better every day. And and yeah, it's 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 nice to to be able to have another endeavor and, and to be able to go out and and work with people. I was at a couple of houses this week, and just you know, as 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 safe and secure as we could be. But just Cajun fans and and part of you know, be being a part of UL is kind of why. They were able to do it, but you know, Goosehead Insurance has, has been nice enough to, to give us a chance to, to represent them and to do some work with it, and if anybody wants to, I'm going to throw a little plug in now. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, I'm at 446-0441 or gerald.broussard at goosehead.com.
0: I like it, gerald.broussard at goosehead.com. That's an easy one to remember for sure. Gee, I appreciate it, man. All the best. Happy Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon.
1: Same to you, pal.
0: All right. That is Gerald Broussard. Hey,
1: we'll talk a little more
0: college football in the next segment. Chris Fowler, host of the Heisman Ceremony, former host of College Game Day, play-by-play man, been in the business a long time. He's got some thoughts on the Raging Cajuns and Billy Napier. He's also got some thoughts on the Heisman this year, the college football playoff, and more. We'll talk to Chris Fowler next right here, cspn1420n.com. I'm Scott Prather. Don't go anywhere.